and we'll uh, get going here this morning. Romans 13, it's Labor Day weekend, glad you're here. And uh, I will, uh, we'll uh, look here again at this passage uh, in verse, really we're going to clean some stuff up from last week. Uh, verse number one, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist it shall receive to themselves damnation. Now, again, that's not damnation from God. It's damnation from the powers, the human government. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou, <coughs> excuse me, do that, uh, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. And again, we've been talking about human government. We've looked at over the last two weeks the issue of God ordained it, why he ordained it, the evil and then last week, the good works and so forth. And um, I said, I made a comment last week about, and we're going to talk some more this morning about this. Come over with you to Matthew chapter 2. I said last week that God told the wise men to lie to Herod. And it was pointed out very graciously that God doesn't tell the wise men to lie because God cannot lie. But when you read the passage, he doesn't tell them to lie. He tells them to defy, disobey. But he gives them, obviously, God never overrides the volition of man, and we understand that. So he gave them the choice. But in Matthew 2, if you look at verse 11, and when they, and that's the wise men, were come in to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him the gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. He warns them. Again, now God lets the wise men make the choice, but what is the believer going to do? He's going to obey God's word. But if you'll notice how... The, the verse reads, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. He warns them, but what does he do? He tells them, don't go back that way. Okay? So they are able to defy, disobey, okay, the authority. But what are they going to do? How did, the, how did then the wise men do it? That's really the issue. How'd they do it? They did it quietly. They did it respectfully. They did it uh, with an understanding that they were going to pay the consequence because they would have if Herod caught them. And by the way, it doesn't say in Scripture whether he caught them or not. <laughs> okay. But my point is, is when you... Now, now come back over to Acts 17. When we talk about government, there is a case of disobedience by faith 
come over uh, on your way to Acts 17, click on Acts 5 just real quick. And what I uh, I'm in Romans. No wonder it doesn't look right. Look at Acts 5, and then we'll get over to 17, and we'll get started. So I want to clarify, God does not tell them to lie. Rather, he tells them to defy, disobey government, civil disobedience. They're not, not raise a revolt, not get out and protest and say, if Herod does, look at what Herod's going to do. He's going to kill every kid under two. None of that. Just don't go that way. And the reason is, is because of the issue of, of Herod going to kill uh, the baby Jesus and so forth. So there, there is an ability, there is a time when we can disobey human government. And it is obvious in Scripture from these examples that we can do that. Notice again, notice Acts 5 and notice verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Okay, so that's kind of the theme. Now come over to Acts 17. That's the idea. Because God has established human government for a very specific reason in Acts 17. And when human government steps out of line, you and I can, by faith, disobey it. But there's a manner in it. There's an attitude about it. There's a mechanism in doing it. Okay? Yes, we can obey God rather than men. But I'm going to tell you what, when it comes to paying taxes, you have no right to disobey. Because next week, when we get into verse 6 and 7 in Romans 13, finally solve this government thing up here, guess what he says? Pay your taxes. Well, duh. But, but why? Because what happens is, is when we revolt, when we bow our back against the government, no matter the form, and again, I remind you, Paul isn't saying here's this form or that form, here needs to be this, here needs to be that. He's just talking about that bigger picture. He's talking about Acts 17. And when we bow our back on it, usually what do we do? We got our signs and we're protesting. And that, what, when you do that, what are you looking for? Attention. As believers, we're called not to draw attention. We'll see that as we go here. We're to live peaceably with all men, see? Now, living peaceably, we're not to be the cause of unrest. We're to be the cause of what? Of peace, okay? I, you think about that. So there's, there's clear instruction that when human government does evil, believers can disobey, if you will. But how? See, okay, that's the issue. How isn't out there signing a bunch of petitions and doing this and that and protest? Because what is that doing? That's causing an unrest. That's causing, it's not, anyway, I get a, I'm way ahead of myself this morning, so I'll end up saying this again. But it, it, look at Acts 17, verse 26. God established human government for a very specific reason. And we've looked at this over the last couple of weeks, the, the issue of the satanic policy of evil. Anyway, look, look at verse 7, 26, Acts 17, 26. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, 
and the bounds of their habitation. Okay, so he has set human government, bounds, sovereignty, walls. He put fences up, if you will. Why? That, the purpose, the intent, they should seek the Lord if haply, and again, haply, perhaps, perchance, they sh might feel after him. Why would they have to feel? Because they sit blinded in darkness. The God of this world had blinded the minds of the lost. That's what they've done. That they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. So he establishes human government to enable man to seek him, feel for him, and find him. In, when you set the bounds, you are preventing a tyrant from happening, where a tyrant controls everything. We looked at Nimrod, Genesis 10. It's designed to protect, those boundaries are designed to protect the citizens within it. The issue of volition and marriage and family get protected. Within those boundaries, the, the, the government is to pursue justice. It's to promote the good. And the, again, when you go back to Romans 12, Romans 12, Romans 13, I'm sorry, what are they to do? They are to, uh, verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. What are they doing? God establishes nationalism. By the way, what does Satan want to do? Isaiah 14, 12. He wants to weaken the nations. Isaiah 10, the Antichrist is going to remove the borders, remove the bounds. Why? Make a one-world government, a one-world system. So when we approach human government, and again, no matter what form we find ourselves under, we just happen to live in the United States of America. If you lived in North Korea, China, India... Uh, what's the next one? Japan, Australia, pick one. Canada, heaven forbid. What happens? Doesn't matter. Our attitude, we need to understand the bigger picture, that bigger cosmic conflict that's going on behind the scene. So then the question is, well, what happens when the government does something evil? Does conflict with God's word when a few years ago when they uh, passed the same sex marriage stuff and you saw churches having to figure out how they're going to do it and the big I mean our insurance company the, I must have got an email a day for like two weeks from them because they're looking at the legality of it they're not looking at it from Scripture. They're looking at, if you do this, you're going to get sued. If you say, do you know that if you put on your sign out there on the street, all are welcome, that means all, and you can't then deny anyone entrance? That's why we don't have a message sign out there. Okay? Do you know that if we allowed the usage of the facilities by any of you members, then if someone comes in and they become a member, we have to allow them. 
you know, all of these little, so we had, to, uh, we had to amend our constitution on use of facilities, and all that was directed at the direction of the insurance company because they know what's coming, and that's called a little lawsuit. You guys remember the baker who could, wouldn't make the cake and stuff? You know that guy's getting sued again? <laughs> Unreal. He got sued, won, lost, won. Now he's getting sued again or something like that I just heard a few weeks ago. It's, well, what is going on here? Well, what happens when government does stuff like that? Well, again, like the wise men, what did he do? He warned them, said, hey, let's go a different way. Why? Because there's evil coming. In the wise men's case, Herod was looking to kill the baby Jesus. Or actually, he's not a baby. He's a young child. The young child. Come back with me to Joshua. So this morning, we're going to run some things and just look at a few illustrations here. Joshua 2. By the way, are you still in Romans? I'm sorry. Romans 13? Ah, you know what? Let's just go to Joshua. Joshua 2. In Joshua 2, you have Rahab and the two spies. Joshua 2, 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun. How would you like that? Who are you? I'm the son of Nun. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you got no humor today. It's just a weekend. Come on. Uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out, uh, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. So the two spies are at Rahab's home. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither, in hither tonight of the children of Israel, and to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying... So, obviously, in the report, they said what? They're at Rahab's house. See that? Okay? So, they know what's going on. Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thy house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said, they, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. Now what, notice how she does that. What did she say? Yeah, two men came, but I don't know where they went. But what did she do? She had hit them. She knew where they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went not, I'm sorry, went out, whether the men went, I wot not, pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of her of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they were, which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof and said unto them, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and, you, and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. And when ye came out of Egypt and what ye did unto the two kings of, of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sion and Og, 
whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye also will show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token." And that ye will save alive my father, my mother, my brethren, and my sisters, and all that have they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by the cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this time, of this, time, of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, that thou Bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother, thy brethren, and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. And off they go. Verse 23, so the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed upon uh, passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nent and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Now notice though that lady. What did she do? The spies come in, they spy out, they end up at her house, she hides them, the government came and knocked on the door, and said, we want the two guys. She goes, I don't know where they went. They went that way or that way. I couldn't tell you. But you better hurry. Go run. So what did she just do? She lied. She lied to them. Why, though? Why does she? Civil disobedience. We go, she didn't call a press conference. She doesn't have her lawyers there to make a, you know, hey, where's your, where's your warrant to search my house? None of that. She just said, they're not here, and I don't know which way they went. But if you hurry before they shut the gate, so what they do? She sent them away, but notice what then did she do with the two spies? She claimed Abraham had covenant on them. So then what is she? She's a Bible believer. She has heard about all that God has done for the nation of Israel. You know, it's, I, I think about when, when the two spies showed up, they said, we're with the real guys, <laughs> you know, flash their ID. And they're like, okay, come in, you know. Well, I don't know what they did to get in, but, but my point is, is she civilly disobeyed. She comes in. She does it quietly. She does it peaceably. She did it deliberately. She did it willingly. She knows who these guys are. And she knows that if I bless them, they'll have to bless me. And by the way, what happens? Joshua storms the city, destroys the wall, destroys chapter 6, 
of Joshua is the conquest of Jericho. Breaks it all down. And you know whose house is left standing on that little piece of wall? Her house is standing. Why? Because she laid that scarlet thread out there and they honored it. My point is, is notice how she did it. She didn't pitch a fit. She didn't say, how dare you show up here? I'm just a little old lady. Don't you? She's not old. <laughs> I'm just a little lady. She didn't do any of that. She just quietly took her stand. By the way, she was willing to accept the consequences because when they didn't find them and then come back, they could have easily come back to her and thrown her in the, in the prison. Obviously, they don't because she's at home when, when the when the war starts, okay? Come on over to John, chapter 18. Notice the Lord and his earthly ministry. Because I know what people say, ah, but the Lord, you know, well, the Lord turned his cheek, so he's this, well, no, you got to pay attention. <laughs> when the government does evil, we do have, a disobedience of faith that can, play, can, can be brought in. But it has to be done in a very quiet, peaceably, respectful manner. It isn't a big, rah, you know. It's a quietly just work through it and say, okay. Somebody asked me here one time when that marriage issue came up, well, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to let them in? And I'm like, no. You know, we're, we're, we're going to stand with the doctrine. We had uh, someone reviewed our uh, doctrinal statement and our Constitution, and they're like, well, you really can't say women can't be on the board. Well, the Word of God says that. Not us. It's the Word of God. And they're like, well, you got to amend that. I go, no, we're not. Well, you're going to lose your 5013C. I said, then they come. It's okay. We're just not, we just don't do what? Make a big broadcast out of it. Actually, I think this is the most we've ever talked about it the last three weeks, honestly. Why? Because what are, what is our, our job is to lead a quiet and peaceable life. We have other work to do. Look at John 18. Look at the Lord. Here we are. He, the Lord's before Pilate. He's headed to Calvary. Verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now in my kingdom is my kingdom not from hence. Right now, the Lord's a dispensationalist. He knows right then it isn't time for his kingdom to come and be set up. That's what he's talking about. That's all he's talking about. He's like, hey, guy, if it was time for my kingdom to set up, you wouldn't even be here, Pilate. I'd have smoked you a long time ago. <laughs> because his second coming is one of wrath and war and fighting. Right now it's not. Here, his first coming is that lowly and meek, riding on the colt of the act, coming in and doing, and so forth. Verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Are thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of truth heareth my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? Isn't that just like the government? Ignored what he said and went on with their agenda. And, and when he had said this, 
he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Notice what Pilate, Pilate's got a, he, he's a governmental official. He's, he isn't interested in the truth. What's he interested in? Appeasing the people, the crowd outside. But what is his, verse 38 is the first decree of Pilate to find what? No fault at all in him. Come down to chapter 19. Look at verse 4. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Second decree of what? I find this guy hasn't broken a Roman law. What's the problem, guys? Verse 6, When the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they said, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto him, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Third time. By the way, Pilate had no backbone. If Pilate had just put his foot down, it would have been the end of the... But he, he caves in. But who is he caving into? The people. Verse 7, the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. See, they should have stoned him, not crucified him. under the, But what did Pilate do? Pilate sees these ma- he sees these chief priests, and he's like, uh-oh. The politics, if this gets back to Caesar, I'm, to- I'm unelected with my head off <laughs> quickly. So he caves. Come over to Matthew 27. By the way, was the government hostile against the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, both the religious Israel leadership and Pilate. Because Pilate's going to go have him beat and scourged and all that. Look at Matthew 27. So the Lord, what's his situation here again with the government? It's not a good one. They're getting me. Now watch him in Matthew 27, verse 19. When he sat down on the judgment seat, the, again, this is Pilate, okay? When he, that's Pilate, was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Notice what his wife just called him. A just man. Drop down to verse 23. 22. Pilate said unto them, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? He's asked them, Jesus or Barabbas? They took Barabbas. Verse 23. And the governor said, why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water 
washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. By the way, verse 25, Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. And Peter reminds them of that in Acts 5. What did Pilate do? Pilate, no backbone, caves, gives in. Why? Because it wasn't politically expedient to let a just man go. Okay? That's the picture. Now go back up to verse 13 and watch the Lord, his response. Matthew 27, 13. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Jesus Christ, he did no wrong. All he did was feed the hungry, heal the sick, raise the dead, comfort the oppressed, bless. He was no threat at all to the, to the human government, to Rome. And yet, what was Rome willing to do? Kill him. What was his response? No response at all. No arguing. No rebellion. No, hang on a minute, I didn't get my appeal. None of that. Why not? What did the Lord know he had to do? He had to go to Calvary. He knew what God's word was for him and what he had to do. If he had rebelled, if he had said, hang on a minute, my trial was a sham. It's not the, tr under Israel's law, if they have a court, a trial, it is to be done in the daylight. His was done in the dark of night over hours where everybody was asleep. He could have easily said, this is unjust, this is wrong, this is a miscarriage of justice. And he would have been right. But that's, but that's not what the Word of God said. You see how the Word of the Father is directing him, carrying him on? You and I are the same way. What does the Word of God say? We are to be subject to the government. Well, but it doesn't matter. You are to be subject to. Have that honor and respect of the office, the position that they hold. Now, come back to Daniel, because Daniel is the prime example of, of a believer interacting with government. And Paul actually uses Daniel as the standard of biblical separation. He lays it out, says Daniel is, is the, the um, prime example. So in Daniel 1, Nebuchadnezzar takes Daniel, and actually he takes Israel, and they're going to cause Daniel and his three buddies and others to eat the king's meat. Now the king's meat has been offered to idols. It's part of the idolatry. Well, a Jew can't, they know we don't eat meat offered to sacrifice to idols. Okay? So Daniel, verse 8, just notice Daniel. Look at this. When the believer doesn't, when we don't obey the government, it is not for financial gain. 
or financial reason. It isn't for a political reason, and it isn't for a social reason. We have to understand that in defying government, it has to be, we're going to trust God and his word rather than men, Acts 5. If it's any other reason, you're just doing it for selfishness reasons, okay? As much as, you know, you hear about the election of 2020 being stolen, that is personal political gain issues. There's nothing in God's word that says any of, actually God's word says, are you shocked that they stole it? You shouldn't be, because they're sinners. <laughs> are you shocked that they didn't steal it? Well, you know, whichever side, that has nothing to do with the word of God to you and I today. 1-8, get back on track, get off the pulpit, get off the, the, the soapbox. But Daniel, now watch, Daniel purposed in his heart. So where is Daniel thinking? In his belief system, in his heart, that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he protested, marched out, pitched a big fit, made a big scene. No, what's he do? He requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel goes to the prince of the eunuchs and says, can you just do me a favor? I don't want to eat that. It's, I would rather, let's just eat what I'm supposed to eat. He doesn't say, my religious rights are. Don't you know freedom of religion? He didn't say that. He says, no demand. I am, I'm asking you a favor. Can we just do a favor? So watch verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Notice how Daniel's non-combative response gained him what? Favor. Because he's not looking to upheave government. He's just looking to maintain what he believes. I believe this. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. You're asking me to do that. I'm just asking you, can we not do that? And the prince of the eunuchs, verse 10, asked, said unto Daniel, I fear, my, I fear my lord, the king, which hath pointed your, your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse? And That's a good question. The prince is like, dude, if I do this and, you're, and you look sickly, I'm a dead duck. And Daniel says, what? Don't worry about it. Everything will be cool. Everything will be fine. Why? Now, obviously, we're in time past, and God can do. Okay? But my point is the attitude. Come over to chapter 6 of Daniel. The attitude here. By the, by the way, you're in Daniel. Hold on to Daniel. Run real quick back to Proverbs 16. And give just a verse here. Wonderful little verse. Proverbs 16, verse 7. Proverbs 16, 7. Here, here's what Daniel is doing. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. That's exactly what we're to do. That is Romans 12, 18. As much as lieth in you to live peaceably with all men. 
Look, guys, you can say, I don't want to do that because it's evil and it's against God's word. But the manner, and we're not drawing attention. Do you know that if we put up, we could have very easily during COVID when they started locking down the big groups, they never, I'll give our governor credit, he never said anything about houses of worship. He let that stone lay. Why? Because as soon as he said churches, like they did in other states, what happened? Holy hell hit. Excuse the expression. Well, we could have, oh, you da, da, da. No. Why? Because you just drew attention to the ire of the government <laughs> on you. Yeah, it's supposed to do. We're to be what? We're to be at peace. Now go to Daniel 6. I got to get moving here. We got four pages of notes to go. Daniel 6 and verse 4. What's happened now? The Medes and the Persians, Darius. Darius loved Daniel, but the other side of the governmental aisle hated Daniel's guts. So they get Darius to sign a law, a decree, verse 4. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. Why? He's a man of integrity. He's God's man, but what's he doing? He's doing what he is to do. What is his relationship with the government? Nebuchadnezzar had set him charge over whole regions of government under the Babylonian Empire. The Medes were doing the same. They're jealous of him. By the way, Daniel never violated God's word under Nebuchadnezzar. You go look at the fiery furnace when they send the music, what happens? You're supposed to bow down. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't do that. But what was the consequence for not bowing down the fiery furnace? They were willing to do that. You remember that? They, boom, go in. Okay. You, 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 you do remember that, right? You guys looking at me like I'm, what's he talking about? Verse 4, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. What are they looking for? Fault. They don't find any. So what do they do? They trick Darius into signing a decree that you can't worship any god or any man. You can't do any of that other than Darius. But Daniel did it anyway. Verse 10. And when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he knew that the law was in place. The law of the land. He went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Now that would be wonderful, except that's not where that verse ends. As he did Daniel has always been doing this. It wasn't something he did in revolt or rebellion to a new law signed. He's always done this. Most Christians that revolt against the government are doing it because of a law or something signed, and they're mad about it. No, it's all, he's always been doing this. You know what? We have always been meeting publicly. If they say, you can't do that anymore, then what are we going to do? Not revolt. We're just going to change our meeting location. <laughs> okay? 
What is Daniel doing here? He respectfully, by the way, quietly, respectfully continued doing what he has always been doing. By the way, willfully, he waited till the law was signed. And he accepted a consequence. What was the consequence? The lion's den. Now, Darius, he's a little upset and worried all night, you know. <laughs> and he comes in and Daniel's okay. But you see that, now come back to Romans 13, that illustration there of that disobedience, disobedience by faith. Romans 13, 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Titus 3, verse 1, we're to obey magistrates. That subject to, that obedience, the question comes out then, okay, so then the subject to or the obedience, it is blind and absolute and without exception, and it is unlimited. And the answer to that is no. We have to ex use extreme caution. The subject to and the obeying the magistrates is not blindly done. It is not absolute. It is not unlimited. It is not without exception. Because when the government does something that goes against the word of God to you and I today in the age of grace, we can disobey. But how are we to do it? We are to do it quietly, respectfully, willfully, as we've always been doing, we do this, but we also have to do what? Accept the consequences. 13.3, because if you resist the ordinance, the end of that, uh, I'm sorry, 13.2, they that resist shall receive to themselves what? Damnation. You're going to pay the price, and you need to be willing to do it. That's why then in verse 4, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. You see the he? Now, let's think about Paul. The he here is Nero. But the verse says that he, Nero, the government, is a minister of God to thee for what? For good. But wait a minute. Nero was not a friend of the Christians. You look at history. We've talked about it. So then how is he the minister of for good. Well, because he does what? He's the government. It isn't him personally. It's what? The office he holds as emperor. Look, look over at six, chapter 16. You've got to think about this. 16.4. We'll just pick a verse. Uh, not 4. Yeah, 4. Who? Talking about Priscilla and Aquila have for my life laid down their own necks, and unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in there. what? Do you know why the saints at Rome and the saints throughout the Roman Empire were meeting in homes? Because Christianity was illegal. They couldn't own property. They couldn't have a campus. But they're, So they're meeting in a house. You know what you call that? An underground church. That's what you call that. You see, they couldn't, 
they couldn't operate. Why? Because Nero was evil. He hated the Christians. So then how in 13.4, how does Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, say that he is good? He's the minister of God to thee for good. I mean, Paul didn't just make this up. The Holy Spirit caused him to write it. It's because he holds the office. It's the ordinance. And the ordinance of God says that Nero, in Paul's time, is the minister of God to thee for good. That's why Paul doesn't talk about the people in the office or the form of government, because it could be any of them. Could you imagine being under Hitler in Nazi Germany and saying he's a minister of God for thee for good? It just blows your mind. But that's what the verse says. Why? Because it isn't Hitler. It's the guy holding the office. Uh, the Russian guy just died. Uh, Gorbachev. Uh, Gorbachev. That was, when you, when, if history is decent to that man, he was a great leader for Russia. You won't see it or hear because of what he accomplished and did on the world stage. Putin didn't even go. Why? Hates his guts. Why? Because he caved to the capitalists, to the West. But he really didn't cave when you look at the history of him. What was he doing? He was doing good. Now, he was still communist. He was still a, in, a, in a bad system, but he tried to do. But my point here is, come back to um, Acts 5. That's how, 13.4, Paul can say he's a minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. Why? Because God gave nationalism, he gave the government the responsibility for like capital punishment, for the enforcement of the laws. Why? To protect the citizenry, to keep out the tyrant, the tyranny, to keep everything going, to pursue justice and so forth. Then in verse 4, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Well, why would he have to say that? Well, because back up in chapter 12, what did he say? Avenge not. Vengeance is mine. I say, I'll repay. Who did he give the authority to repay until that day of wrath comes? The government. And if you defy the government, they will come down on you. And you shouldn't be belly aching. Ooh, what was me? No, because you went out there and you... Stirred the pot, as they say. You see what's going on? Our job isn't to revolt. Our job is to be good citizens. Look at what's going on. Understand the big picture here. Where, did I tell you to go to Romans 5, or Acts 5? Okay. Got ahead of my, got a little preachy there for a minute. Acts 5. Notice this, Acts 5. Look at verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all that they, they were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. Now think about that. Here is the religious leaders of the nation of Israel. They are all mad at Peter and the boys, and they put, their, they put them in handcuffs, and they take them to the Roman prison and throw them in jail and have them incarcerated. They had an agreement with Rome that they could do that. Now, what was Peter and the boys' crime? Just pre preaching the gospel of the kingdom. 
they didn't break any laws. They, I mean, they didn't break into any banks. They didn't rob. They didn't steal. They didn't commit murder. They didn't do any of the bad boy, bad sins. What were they doing? Ministry. But, man, it made the religious leaders mad, didn't it? Common prison. Come over to chapter 16 of Acts. We were here just a little bit ago. When the, the, They had an, a relationship between Jerusalem and Rome that they could take them, they had the authority to take whoever they need and put them into a Roman prison. That's pretty serious that they could do that. Romans, I'm sorry, Acts 16. Look at verse 19. Now, we've seen these a couple weeks ago, but I want you to notice something here. I want you to look at Paul and watch what he doesn't do more than what he's doing. He never advocates rebellion, revolt, overthrow of the Roman government. Rather, he advocates just the opposite. 16, 19. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Cyrus, Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. So, they, so they're going to use the government to attack the believer. We've already looked at that. That's the enemy case, okay? What did they do? They made an accusation that Paul and Cyrus, Silas had committed insurrection against Rome. Okay? So the magistrates have to, that's a serious charge. Verse 20, by the way, January 6th, the committee, insurrection against the government. You hear it over and over and over again. Agree or disagree, doesn't matter. Just watch it and see how quickly it happens. And how disregard for any legal standing, any legal investigative methods just got pushed aside. Why? We have an agenda, and here it is. I can't, okay? That's all it is. And it doesn't matter, Dems, Republicans, Independents, that's government for you. Because they're all of the same ilk. Okay, that's a good word. They are. Okay. Ilk. Keep reading. i got to get off. We never get done. Verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to what? beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Look at, they beat them. Look at what the government did. So the, you have a conflict here. But what does Paul do? Well, look across the page at verse 36. The keeper of the... Well, what happens is God... I got a little earthquake, and the Philippian jailer freaks out, and Paul's, by the way, Paul doesn't run. <laughs> He's sitting there. He's like, calm down, it's okay. That convicted the jailer, and thus we have the beginning of the church at Philippi. Verse 36, and the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go, now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, 
They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being what? Now, Paul isn't afraid to assert his citizenship. He's going to appeal to Caesar in a little bit. He's not afraid to use the law, but he doesn't call a press conference. See that? He just says, they need to come down here and release us. Verse 37, and have cast us into prison, and now do they thrust us out privately? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. Paul doesn't, he says, I'm a Roman citizen, and this was a miscarriage of justice, so they need to come down here and let us out. He doesn't say we need CNN, Fox News, and all the big alphabets. He just says, no, this is what we need to do. No lawsuit. No, any of that. We should never be shocked when the government, who is designed to be for our protection, the good, ends up being our enemy. The same government that Paul says, I'm a citizen of, is going to, try and, is going to kill him eventually. See, we shouldn't be shocked by that. Chapter 17. Verse 6, they got justice, or they get Jason, and they're going to take Jason, and they're going to deal with Jason the same way. You know what? You know what Jason does? Verse 9, 17, 9, and when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let him go. You know what Jason did? He says, look, guys, just post bail. We'll deal with this. They didn't call the news conference on the steps. They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go do good. Folks, doing good is a powerful deter deterrent to government meddling and interference. Do good. But yet again, here's the Lord doing good, and what did they do to him? Killed him. Paul's doing good. What are they going to do to him? Kill him. And that's why when you go back there to Romans 12, verse 18, we're to live how? Peaceably with all men. Come over to chapter 18 of, of Acts. Acts 18, verse 12. Here you've got Gallio. And what does he say? The verse 13, this fellow persuaded men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallo said unto the Jews, if it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewd lewdness, isn't that interesting? Gallo says, you guys deal with this on your own. This is not for the government to be meddling in. He caught on. So in Romans 12, I'm sorry, Romans 13, what are, 12, 18, I guess, is the passage. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Living peaceably. Let, let the problems be the problems be their problems. We should never be the cause or reason for there to be no peace. We're to be at peace. If society isn't at peace with you, let it be society's problem. Because what do we understand? 
We understand the satanic policy of evil against us is to shut us up. You know how they shut us up? You're already beginning to hear it. The Bible is hate speech. So they're going to do what? Shut down that. Come over to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians 4. Colossians 4. This is, by the way, this is not turning the other cheek. We have rights in this country. We have a constitution that affords us certain rights. By the way, the government's taking those rights away. There ain't nothing you can do about it. Just know it's going to happen. Know it has happened. But we have rights, so we're able to function and operate within that. Colossians 4, look at verse 3. With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Why is he in bonds? For speaking the mystery of Christ. You see, he's charged for preaching the gospel. Come over to 2 Timothy 2. He's out there preaching the mystery, preaching the, 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 the gospel, and they throw him in jail for it. No freedom of speech. No claim. Why? It's hate speech. You're a hormone. You, you're anti this and anti that. I, you know, the, when the, the gay marriage stuff was happening, people are, ah, the Bible's this. But I ask a guy, when I go, Did you, have you actually read the Bible about that? Well, no, I just know. Then you don't know what the Bible says about it. Because <laughs> the Bible doesn't, you know, <laughs> they're saying what the Bible says, and it doesn't say that. Anyway, 2 Corinthians Timothy 2. Verse 8, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Why is he in bonds? He's preaching the gospel. And the result is he got locked up. By the way, the word of, but the word of God is not bound. <laughs> He's locked down. Titus 3. By the way, Titus 3, hold on to 2 Timothy there. Titus 3.13, bring Zenos, the lawyer. Why does Paul need a lawyer? Well, there's a legal case has been filed against him. And he's going through, go back there to 2 Timothy 4. He's working through the legal process. I'm glad he had the ability to work through it. Usually Rome didn't let that happen. Usually they killed you right away and then, then passed sentence. 2 Timothy 4, he knows he's going to die. He needs a lawyer. He's been charged for preaching the gospel of Christ. So the lawyer is there to get him through the case. But look at verse 16. At my first answer, who is he answering? He's answering the Roman government. The very government that he claims to be a citizen of, appeal to Caesar, is now going to chop his head off, kill him. But watch how Paul reacts here. No man stood with me, but all men forsook me. There wasn't a believer that showed up as a character witness. They stayed away from him. Now, he sends Timothy and Titus, a guy's out doing the ministry, but nobody else showed up on his behalf. So what does Paul say, verse 17? Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me 
the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered. Who's with him? But we didn't finish verse 16, did we? I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their... Look at that. Paul doesn't say, oh, I'm all on my own and boo-hooed. He looked at that and said, listen, nobody stood here. The lawyer hadn't gotten here yet. I had an answer. I answered it. I represented myself. Nobody came. No character wisdom. And Lord, don't hold that to their account. Let it be. Now, what's Paul really operating deep down? Absent from the body? Present with the Lord. To depart? Far better. You see, he's got, what's, he's got complete and total peace. So when the government does evil, we do have, we are allowed to civilly disobey. But we're to do it quietly, we're to do it respectfully, we're to do it willingly, deliberately. We're also willing to accept the consequences. But we are not allowed to disobey for political gain, for financial gain, for social gain. Only to obey God rather than men. Follow that? That's what's happening here. So in Romans 13, when Paul says, hey, he's a minister of God to thee for good, then he says, verse 5, wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. And we'll do 6 and 7 next week, because that's the conscience sake. That's paying the taxes and the, the mentality here. When the government would cause us to violate God's word, and again, we do have uh, options, quietly, respectfully, peaceably, and willing to accept those consequences. We can civilly disobey. We're not calling a press conference. We don't go get Ram Bresnik and Channel 12, you know, 12 on your side, none of that. We just go do. Follow, okay? There's an attitude here. God says the government is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And your attitude toward it is to be God's attitude. And God says, I established it for a, great, for a, a bigger issue, a, a bigger thing going on in the background. And you need to understand that. And that's why we've dwelled on this now for three weeks. <laughs> and we got four weeks uh, next week to go. Okay? This is, you got to, I know it's emotional. I get it. Don't, I'm not talking about losing emotion. Let's just have the emotion controlled by some wisdom. Okay, five minutes over. I gave that back to you last week, I think. Anyway, dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, for the instructions, for the look into it, for the illustrations and the examples that we have that we can take and to fit it into the details of our lives and do so peaceably and honorably for you. In your name we pray, amen.